0: We're going to turn to our Bible reading now. Uh, It comes to us from Matthew 13, uh, verses 44 to 46. So please open your Bibles uh, or your Bible apps uh, and turn there uh, so that you can follow along. Matthew 13, from verse 44. Please keep those words open. Uh, There's outlines, hopefully you got one at the door. If not, there's still some there. You can follow along and take some notes uh, if that's your preference. Uh, Imagine tomorrow, tomorrow's your lucky day, and you wake up and you find that you have won the lottery. Uh, Tens of millions of dollars have just suddenly been deposited in in your account. Uh, Or because, okay, gambling's bad, uh, it's bad stewardship, and I don't encourage you to do that. Or you've gotten an email from a Nigerian prince, but this time it's legit. (laughs) This time it's real. And $100 million really is yours. Uh, And he's eager to deposit it straight into your bank account. What are you going to (laughs) do? How is your life going to change? What's going to be different? I can imagine there's going to be a few changes. You probably won't go to work. (laughs) You might not go to work for a long time. You might uh, suddenly find yourself becoming more generous, more extravagant in your lifestyle. Uh, you might find it a great desire to live elsewhere with a more pleasant climate. You might find uh, that you are driving a new car very soon or a bigger boat. Uh, you might find that lots of things about your life change. It sounds great, doesn't it? What, are, what, what opportunities? What could you do? What could you do? Well, I'm sorry to tell you, but actually, winning the lottery is not a guarantee of a good life. <laughs> uh, I, I was doing some reading lately and I found, I found these quotes and these stories. Uh, winning ruined my life. That's uh, what a 17 year old who won the lottery in Scotland said. We were disowned by our families, said a couple in the US who won a couple hundred million dollars. A syndicate in Geelong reported that they had been friends before their win and entirely split up afterwards couldn't even talk to each other. A lottery winner in the US actually died. He was killed by his friend uh, who was trying to take his money. See, winning the lotto is not the promise of a good life, is it? In fact, winning the lotto can be very detrimental to your life. It might even end it. Well, In a way, we, we read two stories today of two people who won it big, they stumbled upon an amazing opportunity to gain something of immense value. And what Jesus says is that's what it's like to find His kingdom. <laughs> that's how good it is to find His kingdom. It is like winning the lottery, but it is far better. See, not only is His kingdom more valuable, but it gets even more valuable. <laughs> it's good in this life, and it's better than the next. His kingdom is most valuable. It is the most costly thing in the world. It is precious. We're going to see just why and how as we unpack these parables this morning. First of all, the kingdom of infinite worth. You'll note what Jesus uh, compares his kingdom to. He compares it to, to treasure hidden in a field, this mass of wealth just lying there. He compares it to a pearl, a, a fine jewel worth everything. All of us, uh, I think, are, are quite well accustomed to assigning value to things. We, I don't know, you, you probably don't do it consciously very often, but we actually do it all the time, don't we? If you go down to the supermarket this uh, tomorrow morning and you see that bananas are $4.50 a kilogram again, you probably will judge that that's not worth the value, especially with the quality of bananas that have been around lately. But when they're $3 a kilo, all of a sudden they're good value, aren't they? And you might have bananas that week. Well, Jesus says when it comes to judging the value of his kingdom, there is nothing that compares to it. (laughs) That's that's what the pictures here are designed to tell us. It's like hidden treasure. It's like a a once-in-a-lifetime pearl. His kingdom, everyone would look at it and see that is valuable. (laughs) No one's going to look at it and say, well, that's just not worth it. His kingdom is of exceptional value. But why? What makes it so valuable? Why is it so exceptionally costly. Well, I think it becomes clear when we zoom out a little bit and see what Jesus has been teaching about his kingdom in the book of Matthew. Uh, this parable doesn't occur by itself. If you look uh, around in your Bible, you'll see that it's surrounded by all these different pictures of what the kingdom is like. And in fact, that's what really Matthew is all about. It's all these stories, these, these images of what Jesus' kingdom is like. Uh, he, He teaches what it's like, he shows what it's like and what we see is his kingdom is not just another option in life. No, what his kingdom is, is a breaking in of a new order into our world. It is something different, it is something new and unusual and it is a kingdom of restoration and renewal. It's what we see time and time again. It's a kingdom where wrongs, are fixed. Where hurts are healed. It's a kingdom where needs, deep needs are met. It's even a kingdom where death is ended. See, everything we see of the kingdom hints at what it's all about. It's about perfection. It's about everything wrong being made right again. It's about everything good coming true. And it includes us because it is also a kingdom of forgiveness. It's a kingdom where the rebel is reconciled, where the slates are cleaned, where the penalties are taken and gone. And what's more, it's a kingdom that lasts forever. (laughs) Once you are a citizen in this kingdom, you are a citizen forever. It will never end. And the life you enjoy there is life forever. In that perfection, in that restoration, in that renewed state, So even today all around the world people are paying thousands if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to to try and gain entry whether by legal or illegal means into countries very much like our own. They're looking for safety, they're looking for stability, they're looking for wealth. And what we're being told here is there is a kingdom that is all those things and so much more. This kingdom is safe for it's a victorious kingdom. This kingdom is wealthy, for its riches last forever. This kingdom is stable, because its king is Jesus. When was the last time we looked at Jesus' kingdom like that? When was the last time we counted our value, or how much we valued it? See, I think our problem is not that Jesus' kingdom has no value; it's that we don't value it enough. We don't, we don't put this value on it, which it deserves. What we need most is to rediscover the riches of this kingdom and how good it is. The problem is we're actually people who are far too easily led astray, who are far too easily satisfied and distracted. We, we find our focus on things of small worth and of limited value and we miss the one thing that is of true value. We're a bit like children giving presents to children is infuriating. You know, you spend hours choosing things, you spend your hard-earned money buying the right gift and they unwrap it and play with the box. <laughs> and that, that gift that you've lovingly chosen out sits there neglected, at least whilst the box still exists before it's destroyed, and they'll play happily with the paper, happily with the box, happily with the ribbon and ignore just how good a gift they've been given. It's It drives you crazy how much crazier must God be getting driven by us? We, we, we delight in small things and we're neglecting, we're, we're completely missing what's of true value. This is what C.S. Lewis wrote. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. <laughs> He's right, isn't he? We're, we're far too easily pleased. We're, we're playing in the slum and the offer of a perfect holiday is right here. We pursue with vigour the things around us that we see, the things, things that are good, but not the things that are great. We get focused on the things of this world and we forget the greatness of Jesus' kingdom. How much time do we spend chasing the wrong things? Tally up your, the hours you spend, the money you spend, the effort you spend <laughs> chasing fitness or sport. Well-being, relationships, careers, holidays, hobbies. How much do we sink into those things? (laughs) We seek in them joy and pleasure and peace and comfort but God's actually promised us all of those things and so much more. He's promised us something that's infinitely more valuable. Not that those things are bad but what God is offering us is better, (laughs) better by far. Jesus' kingdom is of infinite worth. Nothing compares to it. It is a treasure beyond our mind's comprehension and it is here. It is here. It is within reach. That's what Jesus came to announce. My kingdom is here. (laughs) We can grasp it. We can begin to taste its pleasures and its joys now. Jesus' kingdom is of infinite worth. Nothing compares to it. Nothing comes close. So don't be too easily satisfied. But seek that, is what, that which is of true worth. The kingdom of infinite worth lies well within your reach. But it's also the kingdom of infinite cost. See, the thing is, if we find something of great value to us, we're willing to go to great lengths to get it, aren't we? When I was a kid, I think I was eight or nine, uh, I remember we switched um, from uh, from, paper to plastic money. Um, Most of you will probably remember that, the great uh, event it was, I guess. Uh, In the year of changeover, uh, I was mucking around in the creek that's at the back of our property. It was a creek that gathered stormwater from uh, a whole suburb and so all sorts of interesting uh, things could be found in it. Well, this day I was walking along and down the middle of this creek... Just floating along there was a $10 note. It was amazing. A paper note, of course. Uh, And so it was a a great risk. It it might have been destroyed. I had to get it. Uh, When you're eight or nine, that's a lot of money. Think how many tuck shops that's going to buy lollies for. It's amazing. And so what do you do? Well, you can't run back and get your gumboots and jump in. No. (laughs) In you go. Uh, Thankfully, the creek wasn't deep. And so I grabbed that money, uh, I crawled up that bank, it was winter, I was cold and wet and muddy, but I had $10. <laughs> that was a good day. I'm not sure mum thought so as she washed my clothes, but I was convinced that was worth it. Cold, wet, muddy, who cares? <laughs> 10 bucks, especially when I could Skype to my brother. <laughs> See, Jesus shows us his kingdom is of infinite worth. So consequently, it must be worth infinite effort to get, <laughs> and so it seems, doesn't it? Look again at the parables. Look what these men do. Look what these the the the, the man in the field. Look what the merchant do when they find when they stumble upon this treasure. Uh, it's there at the end of verse 44. He went in his joy and sold all he had. And again in verse 46, he went away and sold everything he had. I mean, their, their choices, they're insane, aren't they? <laughs> it's, it's just outrageous. He gets rid of absolutely everything, exchanges it for, for treasure or for a pearl. That's just crazy. Unless, Unless the kingdom really is that valuable. Because then it's the most logical thing that you could ever do. See, so this kingdom of infinite worth is the kingdom of infinite cost. So here's the question: How do you buy the kingdom? How do you buy the kingdom? Should you sell all you have and pay the the church or charity of your choosing and try and buy the kingdom? Well, the answer is no. Our budget would like that, I guess, but the answer is no, <laughs> because your kingdom can't be this kingdom can't be bought with money. <laughs> It doesn't work like that. It's, it's, it's a spiritual kingdom. It's Jesus' kingdom. You can't buy it with your material goods. So maybe can you buy it by your deeds? Maybe by summing up you know, enough good deeds and being a good enough person, you can, you can merit this kingdom and be worthy of it. Well, I'm sorry to tell you again, the answer is no. <laughs> because this kingdom of infinite worth is a perfect kingdom and you will never be able to walk through its door on your own. We cannot buy our way into Jesus' kingdom. Nothing we can offer is of value. All that we have, our self, our deeds, everything, it's broken, it's stained and tainted by a sin. It's worthless compared to that kingdom. Even if we pulled all of our resources, even if we pulled all of our good deeds, even if we joined in all Christians around the world to do the same, still together, <laughs> we wouldn't even have the cost of one person's entry. But Jesus didn't just come to tell us of this kingdom, to tantalise us, to, to, to hold it out of our reach. He came not only to make it known, but to make it open. Here's what Revelations 5 uh, verse 9 tells us, the praise chorus of the saints in heaven in eternity. Singing to Jesus, Because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests, to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. There is the price paid. There is the cost met. In his death, On the cross, his shed blood, the price. Jesus has paid your entry fee into his kingdom. What you could never give, he has paid on your behalf already. (laughs) You get to the door and your name is on the roll because his blood of infinite worth has paid the price so that you can enter the infinitely valuable kingdom. What does it cost for you to get in? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. But what does the kingdom require of you? That you let go of everything. See, that's a twist, isn't it? Uh, that The price is paid by Jesus. We can get in. But what the kingdom asks of us, like the man in the field, like the merchant, is that we're willing to give up Everything. To have it, Jesus already won the kingdom for it, for us. But we cannot possess it unless we give up everything for it. But you say the cost is so great, and yes, it is. The cost is so great. But the assurance here is, whatever we pay, we'll have still got a great deal. <laughs> Whatever you give up, even to the cost of your life, you will still come out well ahead in this bargain. I, I, I don't know about you, I, sometimes I, I worry what, what it might cost me, what the price might be. that we have to pay? We're all going to have to pay a price. What might it be? Uh, I was reading uh, some documents this week, some lobbying that's currently before the government Uh, from the LGBTQI uh, movement, Uh, and they're lobbying against uh, gay conversion, that that it be made criminal. And one of the points that they make is taking it so far that uh, even kids in in a household could be removed from that household under the the cost of indoctrination. Uh, Do you see what they're saying? (laughs) That if you teach your kids the Bible... That's indoctrination. And they're lobbying that that be illegal and your kids be removed from your home. See, the possibility is that one day, simply preaching the Bible, even in your household, might put you in prison, might cost you your bank account, may even lose you your children. I gotta admit that, that that tears me up. But, but this parable offers hope, doesn't it? Because not only is God sovereign and good and in control, even if that was to happen, but whatever cost we pay, what we've earned is so much better. Matthew nineteen twenty-seven. Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. So it will cost you a great deal to gain the kingdom. Not it may, but it will cost you a great deal. But nothing that you lose, nothing that you give up will not be repaid many times over. You will never lose out because the kingdom and its benefits outweigh them by far. But it's a challenge too, isn't it? What are we willing to give up? Matthew 16:25. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Will you stand up at the judgment before the throne of the King, Jesus, and hold up a photo album of your holidays? Or a bank statement testifying to your wealth or the keys to your dream house? Or will you hold up your most treasured possession, citizenship in the kingdom of God? Look at your heart. Test its desires. What do you fear most to lose? What do you yearn most passionately to have? And are you willing to give those things up for the sake of the kingdom? if God calls you to give up your health or your safety, your career, your comfort, the retirement you've worked for, the holiday you've planned, the home that you've built, can you lay those things down and say, your kingdom is infinitely more precious to me? See, God in his gracious mercy, he may yet grant you all those things and he may even allow you to keep most of them. (laughs) But he also may require them of you. Jim Elliott was a missionary who was martyred in Ecuador, and he'd written this in his diary only months before his death He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jesus' kingdom is of infinite worth. He has bought it with his precious blood to gift it to you but he requires you to make it and to make him first in your life that you would be willing to give up everything to gain him. I want to finish with the story of a Pakistani named Rashid who lives in the UK, I understand, who converted to Christianity from Islam. Uh, He became a Christian and his family rejected him. They pressured his wife to leave him and she took with her his young daughter. And he writes this. Some might conclude that my life is pitiable. After all, every evening after I finish my shift, I go home to an empty flat, one not filled with the gleeful shouts of a six-year-old child. When I go to bed at night, there is no one beside me to say I love you. I expect never to hear from my parents on my birthday or on any other day for that matter. The only noise in my home comes from the television set and that I do not watch very often. But to pity me would be to miss the joy I have experienced. I believe things are better now than they ever were before I was a Christian. My house might be quiet, but I'm not lonely, My family may have forsaken me, but I am not abandoned. I have Christ, and that is enough. Indeed, it is more than enough. In my eyes, I have been blessed beyond measure, far greater than I deserve, and more than I could have hoped. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may Jesus be enough for us. Help us to see just how rich we are in Him, how precious a treasure we have been given in His kingdom. And so help us to hold the things of earth loosely in order to hold Him tightly. Father, we praise You that He would give Himself up to pay the price of our entry, to wipe away our sin, and make us citizens of Your eternal kingdom. Father, may our greatest treasure, our strongest yearning, therefore, be for you and for your kingdom. May we find in you courage to sacrifice, joy to continue, and peace and hope to endure. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.